0: Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Richard Listens, and this is The Richard Listens Show. I'm grateful for all the wonderful contributions and guests we've been having lately. And today we have a guest not like any other and one who I've known um, indirectly uh, for probably about 13 years, Uh, but to be sitting here next to him is a real honor and a privilege And we have three things in common, and at least four things not in common, which I'm sure you can guess (laughs) what those are. But um, uh, without further ado, our guest today is four-time Olympic gold medalist, swim school owner. And uh, I think he has 15 gold medals and two silver medals, but I'm sure he'll correct me along the way. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's also, uh, yeah, we won't, we won't share what we have in common just yet. But without further ado, um, a gentleman who um, has a lot to teach us about resilience and character and excellence in athletics, Mr. Lenny Kraselberg. Thank you. Thank you for being here today and taking time out of your busy schedule and all that you do. Uh, We're going to get in-depth today about uh, Lenny's journey, what what led him uh, to swimming and uh, what eventually his journey to Olympic gold and to be able to maintain that uh, over two Olympics and uh, his current works as well in giving back to the community. Um, Real quick, uh, so but Lenny and I came across each other with uh, work with uh, Special Maccabees Charity and I just want to say what a what an uplifting thing it is to to have step onto the court and, and to see, um, to be able to see Lenny giving medals to special needs athletes. And I just want to you know touch base quickly on what led you to that charity and uh, how you got involved and and why Special Maccabees.
1: Well, really, it was uh, by accident uh, because of my swim school and where it's located, the Westside Jewish Community Center. Uh, my office is uh, located on the second floor, right next to the gym. And I just walked in one day into the gym, and I saw this pretty special program uh, for special needs uh, people playing basketball, and it it just kind of hit close to heart. You know, it was uh, it was incredible to watch how they excelled and how they tried, and the smiles and everything that um, you want to see in a person when they participate in something. and and are given opportunity. And uh for me it was very natural I asked uh, Jeff who's the person that was in charge of it <clears throat> how I can get involved and uh it's been a couple of years and really it it's a pleasure and it's really an honor to be there and to be part of it and um to watch these people basically just having smile on their face and Yeah, and I mean
0: so many people must ask you, you know, what it's like to the moment when you have the gold medal placed around your neck and i just in getting to see these these special needs athletes when they get it it's like an out-of-body experience so um maybe you can tell us later about what it's like when you get your own gold medal or if it's the same <laughs> when you have multiple but what's it like for you to be able to give that to these uh you know young people who don't get to play very much and don't have uh, the same opportunities
1: well l- for me it's just to be there and to be in their presence um, it's really it, it's special it's um, it's gratifying for me um, it, it gives me it it uh, grounds me and um, allows me to appreciate everything that I have in my life everything that you know just being born uh, able and being able to excel at the highest level of sports and just to be part of it and to watch it it, it it's really unique and it's something you know it's hard to really describe um uh, because we all define success um in our own way and for them it's success and it's just wonderful to watch that
0: yeah it's amazing how uh they all show up for this event it's i think 12 years uh in the running and um it's just with tr- tremendous sportsmanship they they wait for each other to take a shot and uh they bring all their families out and uh for them this is the olympics yeah yeah so it's interesting that you say that lenny about about high performing athletes and doing charitable works or, or the grounding that they get out of it um because it provides something for the average sports fan in seeing an athlete kind of remain grounded over time. It must be so hard to stay focused and committed for the length of time that that, that you have.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, you know, you, you're always focused on striving to be the best you can be in your sport and obviously reach the top and be able to stay there and excel when you're at the top, uh, which is one of the challenges because there's always someone, you know, looking to you know take you off your throne i guess if you can say that but re- reality is is that um i think it's also important to realize and appreciate um when you're at the highest level of sports what it takes to get there and number of people that help you to get there and understand and stay grounded understand that it's not all about you and that there are people around you that care for you and support you and want to see you succeed and I think if you are able to really realize that and process that in your mind, you also realize that the impact you can have on others, uh, same impact that people around you made you successful, that type of impact you can have on others. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, for me, it comes from my upbringing, my, my parents, the values they instilled in me. And that's something that I've always appreciated and was always thankful to my parents for that and um, you know something that I live by every single day today and I appreciate having an opportunity and being in a position where I can make an impact like that and be part of uh, this this organization and a couple other charities that I work with that's beautiful that's
0: beautiful and I want to I want to ask more about your your parents uh, your father is Oleg correct if I'm right um, and want to get a little bit more into your roots as much as you'll you'll share with us um, as we're always fascinated uh, in the guests we have on our show and sharing with our listeners about resiliency, about your early journey uh, coming over from uh, Odessa and, and how that may have played into your, your focus and uh, a commitment uh, from an early age. Uh, but real quick, uh, before we get more... No, we're not ready yet. <laughs> okay. Okay, keep rolling. Thank you. So we will get into Oleg right now. We're going to have our fitness wellness tip a little bit later. We're having some technical difficulties from probably Newark International, a uh, great place to spend the day. Caitlin's on our way to uh, scenic Ireland, so look for some photos from her. Um, but back to our guest, Lenny. So um, was swimming something you discovered before you came over uh, to the States or, yeah, it was?
1: Yeah, swimming was definitely something that I discovered very early on. Um, Well, one of the main reasons is that the Odessa city where I was born in the Ukraine, it's on the Black Sea. So (laughs) we were almost required to know how to swim because you had to enjoy the water in the summer times. Uh, We spent a lot of time um, during summer months uh, living by the beach, so knowing how to swim was a a prerequisite, I guess. So the Uh, Black Sea is actually not black it's quite <laughs> no, clear it, and beautiful it's very clear and beautiful well it, it depends <laughs> in terms of beautiful uh it uh sometimes it was nice and clean sometimes uh there was some <laughs> debris let's put it that way um just yeah. just depending on uh what uh, some of the factories were putting into oh wow <laughs> uh, into the and was seating. it rough and bumpy terrain no, n- no. not at all not at all it was actually pretty smooth um so so I started to, you know, kind of learn how to swim early on. Um, and then probably around age four or five is when my dad really decided that he wanted me to, to be an athlete. Um, I think majority of the parents uh, growing up in Soviet Union um, were fans of sports. You know, one thing that I always say in my story is that there are two things that really mattered to Soviet Union um, during, you know, the cold war years you had to be better than us in military and sports so (laughs) obviously there was a lot of priority put on sports and uh, my dad was a big sports fan big soccer fan and he actually wanted me to play soccer and um, but unfortunately at age of four or five when he decided you know get get me enrolled I was too young for soccer so really the only sport that I could do at that time was swimming so he got me into a local club, just kind of started learning how to swim, and uh, it evolved from there. Was he a swimmer as well? Or? No, my dad was not an athlete at all. Big sports fan, but not an athlete, and, um, but got me into swimming, and you know, I, I liked it um, early on. And then probably around the age of uh, 8, 9, when I was starting fourth grade, is when I was uh, already selected into a special group of kids that back in the sports Soviet system thought that had a potential. So let me slow There's you down heights. right okay. there because this no is an, important, an yeah.
0: important differential that that, that happens uh, that, that I always ask athletes about. So, you know, you start at this early age, but there was you mentioned you enjoyed it. So how did you experience that enjoyment, like from five to nine? Um, because to go on the journey from, like, nine years old and become like on this track is probably not very easy uh, developing as an adolescent so it probably really helps we've heard from um, uh, um, some famous female tennis players who grew up in uh, you know eastern Bloc countries that at least they really no- they noticed themselves like loving to hit the ball off the wall like was there an experience like that for you uh, with swimming
1: yeah I enjoyed it I mean once I learned how to swim once I learned how to swim, it it was definitely fun. And again, until about age of nine, I there wasn't much pressure on me. So I swam maybe two, three times a week, a couple, you know, maybe an hour. So it was very laid back. And I think it certainly helped. You know, eventually, once I got really serious, because once I got serious, especially in the Soviet sports system, it was uh, over the top serious. And uh, you know, we can talk now or we can... Okay. All right, we're going to probably, take a quick yeah, break like now that
0: we got Caitlin back online from Newark is, is cooperating with us. So Lenny's going to hold us at uh, nine years old and we're going to quickly cut to Caitlin. We are live for our fitness. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> live, live via Zoom.
1: Hello. <laughs> Hi, Lenny. Nice
2: to meet you. Good
1: to meet you as well.
2: So, I mean, it's incredible what, you know, reading your story and learning all about you. And one of the things I did notice is that, and well, it's probably normal for any athlete, is that injuries happen upon us, you know? And I did read that you had a pretty major shoulder injury. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. I actually had uh, three shoulder surgeries.
2: uh, Oh, my goodness. So can you tell us and our audience, you know, when you had that injury, how did that impact your training regimen, including know how you handled your nutrition at that time uh, because you were you know you're competing for the olympics that's correct
1: yes that's correct and I, I love that you're asking this question because i had uh during my injury i had a couple of really interesting life-changing moments um, when it comes to uh re- recovering from injury and also my diet during um uh, during the recovery phase so after my um my first surgery was after sydney games in 2001 i hurt my shoulder and something didn't feel right. Uh, eventually ended up uh, seeing an orthopedic doctor and I tore a labrum in my shoulder. So I had to have a sh- shoulder surgery and uh, what happened was, uh, you know, the rehab was supposed to be about four months and um, never really dealt with a serious injury before. So when I started to feel good, I started to push hard because that was the only way I knew how to, how to train. Um, I never had an experience taking time recovering slowly after surgery. And uh, I jumped into it too quickly and obviously um, it felt okay, it felt fine. But a couple of months later, the same feeling came back. Uh, and obviously I you know I re-injured the shoulder again. And then next year I, I hurt my knee Playing, uh, actually not playing, running in a treadmill, and I tore my ACL. So after the surgery, I ended up uh, not being able to okay. train for about four months. But my eating habits did not change. So I went from being about 190, which was my race rate, uh, weight, to about 225, wow. and um, it was really it was eye-opening for me. Um, I because I was always under, you know, I. I trained so much. I trained five hours a day, probably burned at least 5,000 calories. I never paid attention to my diet leading into the first Olympics in 2000. I could eat anything, and I would burn it off. And all of a sudden, here I am. (laughs) Nothing. No
2: attention. Oh, my goodness.
1: (laughs) Yes. And all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, I'm here sitting uh, four months not being able to train, and the weight is going up, and now... And also the fact is that I'm older, so it's harder to lose that weight uh, once you start getting back into training. And that's the first time I really figured out that I need to start really paying attention to my diet, watching diet, becoming a student of what um, you know what I have to eat in order to, first of all, lose weight, but also be able to maintain um, high peak performance during training okay. as well as competitions, of course.
2: Well, right. So I mean, your first experience that you gained weight so quickly because you weren't focusing on your diet, really, you were just, you know, training, correct? I mean, that must have when you started gaining weight and not being able to work out, that must have had some kind of mental impact on you as well, right? And Richard, I'm sure you can, you know, kind of chime in here and give your expertise. But for me right now, I'm even going through a knee injury, surprising that you had a knee injury too. And um, I haven't been able to work out at a normal capacity for more than 2 months and I've just had to focus on my diet as well and mentally and that's tough for me so you know how do you manage you know the mental part with your physical and Richard is there any recommendations you can add to you know kind of the scenario on how to mentally handle these situations
1: well, yes. I mean, it was definitely a learning process for me. What I've always, uh, and it's my personality in general, I look uh, for a positive in every negative situation. And um, what I've realized after a while is not being able to be as active as I was or not, not being able to train as much was I need to become a student of uh, what I, how I need to eat and uh, smaller por- portions, better meals, um, more nutrients, But also being able to do something. So if, for example, I had a knee knee injury, so I couldn't run, but I can do, you know, I can still lift weights or I can still do something. You know, they have those elliptical machines. I don't remember. We just use your arms. You sit stationary, but you can use your arms. So I always looked for other ways to continue to stay in shape a little bit. Of course, I wasn't training five hours a day, and of course, I couldn't burn as many calories. But ultimately, it was a learning experience uh, going through this process and um, understanding that I have to be patient. That's ultimately is um, it comes from experience because I had. You know, made the mistake of jumping in too fast after my first injury. I realized that this time around, I just need to be patient and take time and believe in the process and be smart about it. I mean, I'm I'm really curious about
0: if you know, also the environment the athletes in, like if if you know, Lenny was at USC at the time or with the Olympic trainers. And and sometimes when there's a an injury, athletes can tend to withdraw from their their team or because they're not training regularly they don't have that same access so because i i could just imagine now having walked through usc's facility at least in the current day that they would be like on top of you like you know uh, holding calipers up to your uh, body fat lines so. a lot has changed in 17 <laughs> years i will tell you that so right so perhaps it's uh, the modern day that's shifted but um yeah that there there's a tendency to i mean especially if somebody's been athletic like we're talking about from the age of five and nine competitively and all of a sudden you're injured, uh, sometimes you have to go through this process of learning. Only only the absence of performance makes you aware that something needs to change. Uh, and some of that happens uh, for athlete's injury. Sometimes it's age... Um, but roles tend to change, and there's this kind of process of development. And and I'm you know curious about if there was you know somebody in Lenny's life that helped him make that adjustment uh, or that
1: he went to, or if he had to make it on his own. Actually, uh, I pers- I had to make it on my own. Uh, we really didn't have that type of support, at least not in the years that I was uh, training at uh, USC. Uh, and again, after the Olympics, I was no longer a student-athlete. I graduated at USC in 98, so I was a, a volunteer assistant coach, so I could train with the team. But I really had nothing to do in terms of getting support from, you know, from the athletic department wow. as a student-athlete. But even then, it, it, I just felt that you know I, I have a motto that I live by, and it's if it's going to be, it's up to me. So I'd like, I, I want to control my own destiny. And ultimately, if you're not going to take uh, things in your own hands, then it's, it's hard to expect uh, results that you want. Yes. And, that's,
0: and then how do you balance that with it's counterintuitive, right? Like you're injured, like you said, the, f- the first minute you feel better with getting back in there and performing the same way you
1: knew about beforehand. So. Yeah. And, and then that, that's the, that's the big challenge. And uh, again, I had to learn that through the process, but um, something that I speak a lot about to young athletes nowadays, um, when they ask me questions about injury or if they're not injured, but just generally talking to them, if you do encounter injury, you have to be smart about it. Do not rush in, be patient, do your homework, focus on rehab, if, you, if you're going to have those fundamentals uh, daily thinking about that, then your recovery process is going to be so much better and the avoidance of re-injuring yourself, you know, it's going to be definitely yeah. higher chance of avoiding the, another injury. They're lucky to have you as a, as a coach.
0: Uh, yeah, the, the other answer I give for your question, Caitlin, is that a, a karate sensei once did for me and I try and ask the same question I encourage athletes to ask themselves, which is, is it... Discomfort or is it pain when you're recovering from an injury? Because, right, if you're if you're noticing uncomfortability, maybe you continue your training and you build strength in the surrounding areas. But if it's pain, right, we have to we have to listen to the injury. We have to listen to our bodies as well. Um, so it's really good to have somebody uh, in there with you, whether it be a sensei or a coach or somebody who can help you know your own limits and and knows knows how hard you push. And can kind of gradually build you up, um, you know, like like building for a marathon. You don't just go out and run twenty six miles, right? We build up. So um, it must be really hard for someone who's used to like pouring it on in the pool for five hours a day to be using a hand bike. <laughs> but um, uh, if that's if that's exactly what the body needs, yeah. So. But
1: that that's the adjustment you got to make, and you gotta you know play with a card that's dealt. So any other tips for you? What do you
0: have for us nutrition-wise today, Caitlin, when you're on your trip to Ireland here and you're suffering from a flu, frozen with a smile at least? <laughs> looks like you. <laughs> All right, well, we appreciate you joining us, Caitlin, and we hope you have a, a wonderful flight, and we thank you for, for your excellent questions, and we look forward to seeing you more in the weeks to come. Thank you. That that was an indirect uh, lead-in to, to Lenny and his injury, and, and we got... Okay, I think she might be back. but um, so we were talking a little bit about um, so was was your dad an early coach or was he just um, kind of led you to the water?
1: No, he wasn't a coach at all. It was just literally just uh, f- led me to the to to the water, you know, everything in back in the Soviet years, everything, um, and it's similar like that nowadays in Europe in terms of sports clubs. So you have various sports that are under a, a specific sports club, and in Soviet Union during those years it was same thing. So uh, I was attached to a army sports club. Uh, my dad was a big soccer fan of the army of the of the soccer club of that in our city, that was under the army uh, base. So he took me to to that club at five to learn how to swim, and then at nine I was selected into a special group. Um, it was about thirty five of us. And um, we trained five hours a day. Um, wow. You know, two hours in the morning before school. Went to school for the whole day. And then another three-hour practice in the afternoon. We lifted weights by 10. Wow. Uh, so it was quite intense. And well, but, but what was unique about it, um, my swim team was my, swoon, my school class. So when we were selected for that group of uh, kids... The selection was uh, kids born in the year 1975, and they put us all together into a school class and into a training group. So it was uh, it was definitely interesting. It was extremely challenging. Did it create closeness and a bond
0: with the group, or just a lot of competition? A,
1: a lot, a bit closeness, really, uh, just because we spent so much time together, um, really, from 6 a.m. until probably 6 7 p.m. really until we all kind of went our separate ways so there was definitely a lot of a, a big closeness with the group um with a lot of the big kids and were you
0: allowed to to were there celebrations too or is it like no no teen partying for you guys i
1: don't know if you teen party at nine <laughs> years old too much <laughs> i guess that i, I left that until i went to usc <laughs> uh, but you no no later on yeah i made it up later on <laughs>
0: It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real-time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash Richard listens to get your first class for free. That's i n su.com slash Richard listens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why impact dental designs has put so much thought into their state of the art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. So fast forward to so you, your 13. Was it a, an abrupt decision? Was it due to the political climate uh, in Russia? Yeah, it
1: was definitely a decision. My parents um, were thinking about it for a bit, um, obviously growing up Jewish in Soviet culture and facing some of the anti-Semitism and also understanding, my parents understanding that the opportunities for, kid, for their kids, I have a younger sister, uh, growing up uh, would be limited. So definitely a decision to come to the U.S. with something on their minds. And sometime around 87, 88 is when, you know, Gorbachev took power and there was that agreement that they can open up, you know, political asylum to, to, you know, Jews in the Soviet Union. That's when my parents kind of jumped on uh, the opportunity. So we left at the end of 88, uh, went through the whole immigration process, living in Vienna for a couple of weeks, then Rome Italy for a couple of months until we came here to the States and I was 13 at that time um, middle of 89 good memories of that transition or was it really abrupt on you um it was good memories it was definitely it was challenging um for sure because there was a lot of unknown um I think uh, as I've as I've gotten older and became an adult I've only then started to realize how challenging it was for my parents you know cuz as a kid you don't really you you kind of you you know you go with the punches uh you don't really care you just and especially when your parents create a really warm and loving environment even though it's really hard and challenging right. so we both my mom uh, my sister and myself never really felt the challenges so my my parents really sheltered that r- well and um but I know it was challenging for them, yeah. especially when you're about to move to a new country and you have absolutely no idea what's going to happen tomorrow, and you got two, you know, coming up teenage kids, and also not knowing the language. So they definitely encountered a lot of challenges. I'm really glad you you highlighted that, Lenny, because I've been referencing to a lot of my my
0: clients um, a podcast by I don't know if you've heard of a addiction psychiatrist named Gabor Mate. Um, mm. And he talks a lot about about attachment, early attachment, and about the difference between trauma and traumatic. And an experience like we're talking about, like we know so many uh, athletes that, that come from another country and have to experience that transition. And although the life may be pretty well cared for, the experience of traumatic may be, well, was I cared for? Was there somebody there to greet me and welcome me when I came to the new country? How did the people treat me? Right. Uh, So the fact that your parents were so warm and supportive um, sounds like it provided a lot of resiliency to make that transition into a whole new life at a a really sensitive age.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, definitely my parents' support made a big, big difference. Um, But I I also tell you, I've I've really been fortunate encountering a lot of really good-hearted people along the way. You know, even when I started at Team Santa Monica two weeks living in the in LA just the way people the coaches welcomed me with open arms and understood and the parents you know swim meets are you know all day weekend you know engagements basically yes. and uh, my parents couldn't go to swim meets cuz they had to work uh they had to put food on the table and how uh, welcoming and helpful the parents of the kids on the team were to come pick me up from my house and take me to, pra- to competitions and then bring me back. It was incredible. Um, and, you know, th- and when I talked earlier about realizing that success is never all by yourself, there are so many people involved. This is just one small example of people that really knew nothing about me. It's just some immigrant kid that came to a club, spoke zero English. I spoke no English. Um, I remember teammates wanted to have conversations with me about, you know, who who I was, what it was like growing up in Soviet Union. Nothing, I couldn't put two words together. So it was definitely challenging times, and a lot of it was also on my own, because, as I said, my parents had to work, so they couldn't take me to practices, so everything is on my own. I had to travel to Santa Monica myself, um, come back um later in the evening all, all on my own, kind of in the new land, new new city, but ultimately so is there any, any really funny story from that time
0: about um trying to be understood or, or having somebody, you know, make a real effort to welcome you when it was not easy.
1: Well it was it was more just uh not necessarily a funny story, but just experience in itself. You know, I remember just sitting in a locker room and guys are you know, trying to talk to me and ask questions. And I'm like literally just spreading my arms, you know, like I I, I can't, I can't put two words together. And it was interesting, but I do now that I do remember something funny. um, And it it had to do specifically with swimming. So I, um, when we we came here and I started to train, I was swimming in a 25 yard pool. And uh, in in Europe there is no yards. It's all meters, okay. and the distance is different. It looks the same, but twenty five uh, meters is uh, twenty five yards is twenty two meters. Uh-huh. So I'm swimming all these practices, and I'm swimming so fast compared to you know what I was used to just a few months back. Feel and I good. Be, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> I can't understand, you know, I just missed about three months of training because I was going through this immigration process. Didn't get in the water much, and all of a sudden I'm in the pool. And I'm swimming all these great times, and then and then someone actually told me, you know, you. <laughs> the pool is shorter. <laughs> so oh, it was a good experience geez. for me. You know, done. And I thought I was getting all better. <laughs> That's brilliant.
0: That's great. Yeah. So you were you were swimming. It was a club soccer team in in Santa Monica.
1: So, yeah, swim team.
0: A swim team. And um, when did you figure out? You know, like this could lead me to to uh, you know collegiate level and and beyond.
1: Yeah, that actually didn't take didn't happen for a couple of years. Later, I uh, swimming. Uh, at a club team in Santa Monica. I took about a, I, sw- I swam there for about a year and uh, I went through that phase when a lot of 14, 15-year-olds that are involved in sports go through that it's became boring and my friends are doing so many cool other things <laughs> and then I have to you know I have to finish school and then take a bus for an hour going to Santa Monica and I'm not getting better, I'm not improving, so I just want to quit and uh, I really thought about quitting and um, my dad really was having a hard time with that. And uh, he really talked me out of it. Um, in fact, what we did, we ended up finding a, another team at the Westside Jewish Community Center, um, which was closer to home. Uh, we were living in West Hollywood at that time. And uh, we thought, why, why don't I go kind of change the scenery a little bit and see if it's gonna help. And I did, and I joined the team at the, the Westside Jewish Community Center. And, um, you know, it wasn't the same level of the team that I, that I was used to at Santa Monica. And the trainings weren't as long, four days a week only. So obviously the quality of training wasn't the same. And I, w- I didn't produce any results. So I swam basically. I went to Fairfax High School. Didn't have a swim team. So I swam for a couple of years uh, basically treading water. Um, and uh, it become more enjoyable though with less pressure at that time or? it became a little bit more enjoyable I was just going religious really going through the motions and quite honestly I was doing it because I didn't want to disappoint my dad I didn't. I wasn't necessarily doing it for myself I was doing it for my dad I knew how passionate he was and how much he wanted me to continue to swim and I also remember always remembered he reminded me when I was uh, a kid in Odessa my coach told him one day that Lenny was born to be a backstroker, so that thought always stuck in his mind, and he didn't really want to—I guess—didn't want me to give up on, you know, on that comment that my coach made when I was nine years old. And I basically just treaded water th- all throughout my high school years. Um, I was not good enough to get any scholarships to any universities, so literally my sophomore uh, my. Second semester of my senior year, I ended up going to Santa Monica College just so I can take classes. I, ha- I really I have no path, no direction, what I'm gonna do. I walk around Santa Monica College and I find a pool there, and I knock on the door of uh, the coach there, uh, Stu Blumkin, and say, tell him Stu, I'm, you know, I'm so and so, and I swim at the JCC, and they want to, I'm enrolling in classes and he was I told him times and they were for community college they were okay and um, he loved it that someone just walked and knocked on his door and I ended up uh, starting Santa Monica College I swam with him that one year and he definitely saw the talent and potential and um, is this when your backstroke was discovered because this is that's kind of your calling right right right. well yeah I mean I kept swimming backstroke all through high school but or high school years. Uh, but uh, def- yeah, backstroke is what stood out for me. And then he basically, I did really well my freshman year at Santa Monica. I improved quite a bit. I ended up uh, breaking the collegiate national record in 200 backstroke. Right. And um, and then Stu really felt like I needed to go and train somewhere else or have an opportunity to swim at Division One. So he called Mark Schubert at USC, and told him, Mark, I got this kid. That's pretty raw, but talented. I want you. I, w- I want to see if you can give him an opportunity to train with Trojan Swim Club off season in the summertime. And Mark said, Yeah, sure. You know, if he can hang with our guys, he can come in and do it. And um, I, I was so honored just an opportunity to train with Division One athletes, and and then some of the swimmers that were on that team were. You know, world champions and Olympians and NC2A um, finalists. So it was a really elite group of swimmers. I certainly did not belong with them at, that, at the time I walked in the pool deck. But uh, one thing about me, I was never afraid of challenges. And uh, I was always willing to work hard. That's one thing that I take a lot of pride in. And um, I started to train and I started to work uh, in the summertime with that group. And uh, swam well at two competitions, and by the end of the summer, so we're talking about two, two, two and a half months later, Mark Schubert gets me in his office and goes, "Lenny, I, I want to talk to you because I'd like to offer you a full ride to USC." Wow! And How does that uh, moment rank? It okay. was an incredible moment, um, considering the fact that someone that has been a head coach of the U.S. Olympic team for four Olympics and has seen it pretty much all, you know, pulls in his office and gives you that type of an offer it was incredible I mean obviously for me personally also for my family to know that I can go to USC get my education paid for but what really in addition stood out he said Lenny you can be the best backstroker in the world and that really you know opened up my eyes when someone with that type of a coaching resume tells you that then then he's obviously seeing something in me and um, that really hit me home and it was 1994 and, and that that was the time where really my kind of career took that turn where I decided to really pursue or really refocus myself on just pursuing so someone, that dream. Someone believing the prophecy. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> exactly. And
0: having someone at that le- high level believe in you, it sounds like really freed you up to, to commit. We,
1: um, yeah, and and that's what it takes. It's some, you, sometimes you need someone else to tell you that they believe in you. And um, that that's extremely powerful, especially those that that seen it all, that they can tell you that for an athlete it's incredible. Uh, I'm a big believer of confidence, um, and confidence builds just like snowman. You know, it it continues to build when you put put in the work ethic, and when you when you put in the work, and but when also there are bright people that continue to build that confidence in you. By seeing what you do every single day, and certainly Mark built that foundation, and then the rest of it. I'm not gonna say it was easy because it was an incredible road to get where I got, incredibly challenging. But it was the foundation was built, and as I mentioned before, hard work was never an issue with me. Um, I love pain. I like. Oh, I really do. I, I I tell that story all the time to kids. My most gratifying days were the days when I came from my second practice at 5 o'clock in the, in the afternoon after practice, and I would fall on the couch and I would have no energy to get up. I knew I had a productive day. You knew you gave every last... Yeah. It's an it's an extremely gratifying feeling. So I know we have a
0: limited time. I want to you know make sure we get to time to talk about Lenny Crazyberg Swim Academy, uh, but I'm sure all our listeners want to hear uh, a little bit about uh, if you can, you know, synopsis of your Olympic experiences. Um, uh, what was it like to, um, you know, compete and compete with some of the best in the world? And t- t- I mean, did you believe going in that a gold medal was,
1: you know, possible? Let alone four. Well, I of course I believed. I, <laughs> I, I, I you have to believe, yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing was interesting because for '96 Olympics, I actually had an opportunity to get a Ukrainian citizenship. I wasn't, no, before, for around 94, I wasn't a U.S. citizen yet, so I could have gotten a a Ukrainian citizenship, and I adamantly said no. I wanted to represent U.S., because first of all, it's the country that kind of gave me that opportunity, but more than anything, I wanted to represent the best country in the world, because I knew if I can make the Olympic team for the U.S., you know, I would have a great shot of winning the gold medal. So I was obviously favored going into the Sydney Olympics. Um, I was ranked number one in the world for a couple of years in both of my events. And, uh, you know, everyone was talking about Lenny winning Olympic gold medals. But those that follow sports know that nothing is given. (laughs) (laughs) So anything can happen on any given day. And one thing for me, I I never took that for granted. I've always realized that anything can happen. And that's always the challenge being on the top, that everyone else is gunning for you. So, I was confident. Though I was confident in myself, I was confident in the work that I put in uh, leading into the games, and uh, you know, I felt pretty comfortable until the night before my first final, uh, the hundred backstroke final, and that was uh, when it really hit me. It hit me that I was uh, I was on the verge of uh, winning an Olympic gold medal, and I went through quite a journey to get here. And that tomorrow night at 7.30, I have to be good for 53 seconds. Wow. (laughs) So that moment really... Not a lot of sleep that (laughs) night. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot of sleep that night, exactly. That moment really um, challenged me. I mean, challenged me in in terms of just being able to calm myself down and to be able to... What
0: helped you right there? Because that's a rare moment that few get to experience.
1: Yeah. you know I just I don't even remember I don't honestly I don't remember it was been so long what helped me I mean, eventually I I guess I've never had problems with sleep so, so I guess I fell asleep eventually but but again it, it was definitely the moment the thought about being good and why I say 7:30 I was always a, I was always a perfectionist when when it came to competitions I knew exactly when my warm up started I knew exactly when I needed to be out of the pool I knew exactly when I was ready needed to be ready I you know, I always took a very professional approach. It wasn't just getting in, in the pool and, and moving my arms. It was everything else leading up to it because you needed to have that prepared state of mind um, 24 hours a day. So I knew that at, at that time tomorrow I needed to be great. And uh, although I was incredibly nervous, it, it, I felt really comfortable once I stepped on the pool deck, and uh, that was my environment. That was the environment I was so used to any one of the medals more gratifying than another probably the first one definitely the first one just because it's a first olympic gold medal it's uh you know never never no one would ever take that away from me um it was earned honestly through hard work and a lot of perseverance and i'm very proud of that and um you know all the other ones mean just as much but the first one is always you know the best one
0: and you're, and you're continuing to swim. Uh, we joked about three things in common. So besides our birth year um, and our work with Special Maccabees is that I, w- I was actually an alternate for basketball for the 2017 Maccabees game. So not swimming unless, unless you give me some really good coaching for the next one. Um, but uh, So you competed and won the team gold in israel last year is that correct
1: well we swam in just an exhibition relay versus israel so u.s versus israel but it was pretty cool though just to be in israel again and to participate in Maccabi and just seeing this incredible event where jewish athletes from all over the world come and really celebrate our heritage and do do that through sports i mean that sports is that one medium that really connects everyone in every, really, I feel, any any walk of life. Yes. So it was just a great experience to swim that relay. It was an exhibition relay, but just to be part of it and having another two Olympians on it, Jason Lisek and uh, Anthony Irvin and another good friend of ours, uh, Alex Blavatnik, uh, was a great supporter of Maccabi um, USA and a big swim s- swimming college. Um, it was just great to be part of it and swim those relays.
0: Yeah, and I know Maccabi USA is following us here today. So, any chance you'll be involved in the next games and continue?
1: Well, if I'm staying in shape, <laughs> which I plan on, uh, yeah. Listen, I think it's a great organization, and they do a lot um, to promote sports and promote Judaism. And you know, for me, that's really important. So, being being part of it is is always great. Okay, so we're we're in the we got
0: the five minute warning here, so. First, Lenny, maybe share with us a little bit about your your projects, how you've channeled your swimming career into educating others, and uh, any other things you're working on right now that, that people can
1: stay in touch with and stay connected to you and your work. Well, my, Lenny Kraselberg Swim Academy is definitely something that I've put a lot of focus and effort in after I retired from the Olympics in, after 2004 games, and it's it's really something that I've been incredible, incredibly proud of uh, just as much as my athletic career is because through our swim academy and what we do and the impact we make on young kids and teaching in water safety, it's incredibly powerful and impactful. And again, I'm just privileged to be in the position that I could uh, translate my success that I achieved as an athlete and be able to transition it into um, doing something so important for others and also quite honestly be able to make a living so there are so many things that fell into place for me um to continue to pursue this and over the years since we started in 2005 we've opened up um 14 various um uh, affiliates around the country I own two locations in LA and we've had 12 other partners around the country that are running our program and uh, we're embarking on a a, um, a brand new phase where we're gonna start franchising our swim academy all over the country, which is pretty exciting. And it it's been really a, a special uh, project and a passion for me for so many years. And also be able to 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 have people that work with me that are just as passionate and uh, and are really helping to get our message across and impact so many young lives.
0: Yeah and and having been to your school to the the school and uh swimming at the the family swim time uh it's just a, it's a great energy and a great place to to even bond if if you're not even swimming competitively do uh, any athletes approach you to mentor them when trying to get to the higher level uh still
1: Um no I, actually I haven't had uh too much experience mentoring you know the up and coming athletes um I think USA swimming does a really good job in that transition um Having, um, you know, great coaching and great support around USA Swimming uh, for up-and-coming athletes. Um, I certainly have done my share of uh, swim clinics and speaking engagements and talking to youth uh, about the sport of swimming and what you want to focus on and, and things that you have to keep in mind uh, to be successful. But not just in swimming. I think in general, just in any in whatever the kids decide to do in life, Um Whatever career path they choose and, and the college education they want to get, um, I think through my experience and success that I've been able to achieve, I think the message is the same. No matter what you do, I think you know the the hard work and perseverance and dedication and being passionate about what you, you know what you do are, are extremely important. Are are definitely a prerequisite to success. Absolutely. Any messages in particular for
0: those? individuals maybe like yourself out there we know the united states hopefully still maintains its open arms to other cultures uh, despite some changes in our political landscape here if you're a young person or family coming to this country any messages for that young adult out there who may be struggling with language and struggling to fit in and to find their direction
1: yeah, absolutely. My the message of course is uh, to believe in your dreams and not never give up. And uh, the reality is this is still the greatest country in the world. And there are always opportunities here. And it's just a matter to it's the matter of, fa- of you finding what your passion is and understand that life is all about ups and downs and uh, just just stay the course. Stay the course, believe in yourself and know that you're always giving your best. And understand that sometimes you're going to struggle. Maybe a lot of times you're going to struggle. But ultimately, if you're consistent and persistent uh, with what you want to accomplish, you will accomplish that. Amazing. Instagram,
0: LennyK4G. Any other manners you'd like to be contacted Um, professionally?
1: On Facebook at lennyok At um, those are just the two social medias, and my swim academy page is uh, LennyKSwim.com. dot com. Um, we do some wonderful stuff, and again, I'm so excited to be part of it. Yes, and thank you for allowing us to share our gifts with you.
0: It's a real honor. Um, I don't think we've had one Olympian, let alone a four-time Olympic gold medalist and to be able to uh, participate in any way in a charity uh, event with you. I see the inspiration it gives to young teenagers who we know have a tougher time doing anything besides Snapchatting and (laughs) serving their own interests. Um, They get inspired by your participation, and um, we appreciate you being here. I thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, uh, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash Listens, or Instagram, Richard Listens. Uh, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me um, through my website, RichardListens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouthguard that is state of the art. These mouthguards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash RichardListens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouthguard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, InJitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes. So head over to injitsu.com/richardlistens to get your first class free. That's i n Richard t s u.com/richardlistens. Take care everyone.